broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, amid glass and steel towers, in the heart of the South's largest city with the busiest airport in the world, this is The Conversation Cafe, a weekly internet radio show that interviews fascinating guests who are engaged in a verbal exchange of sentiments, observations, opinions, and ideas that educate, empower, and enlighten. Well, you know that angel saying, if you change something in history, it might change something right now. This is Conscious Radio for Conscious People. There would have never been special education had there not been school desegregation. And now, here are your hosts, A. Raquel and Mahogany Dawn. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Conversation Cafe. We are your hosts, A. Raquel and Mahogany Dawn. And, of course, we are coming to you live from Studio 3408 here in Atlanta, Georgia. It has been an awesome Tuesday, and I have thoroughly enjoyed my Tuesday. We've had some 80-degree weather here in Atlanta, a great change from what we've been having over the last couple of weeks from the rain and the cold and the ice and sleet and snow. And so I was just excited to get a little bit of warm weather today, and I hope that the warm weather is moving in to stay. Not hot, but warm. Man, we have a great show lined up for you this evening. You know, we still have some of the same old, same old going on around the country. I tell you, um, just recently here yesterday, we had another police shooting in one of our metro counties, and it resulted in the death of the suspect. And um, unfortunately, he was not armed. And he ended up deceased. Uh, and also, I think last weekend, there was also another shooting of another black teen in Wisconsin. You know, really, what's really going on in America? And where are we when it comes to the police? You know, um, what, how, you know, I mean, really, with the police, the police departments around America, you know, and the way that they respond and or, quote, unquote, protect our communities, we really need to step back and take a look at that and how that's done. That's what we're going to be talking about in the second half of our show. Of course, our front end of our show is always packed with very educational, well, not necessarily, well, some stuff is educational, but most of the time we try to entertain you and enlighten you about some things that are going on around around maybe some of your parts of the of the town or the country, you know, we go over our social media sites, what's trending, and also celebrity entertainment correspondent, news correspondent, Ray Quinez of RayQuinez.com usually stops by and enlightens us about what's been going on in the entertainment industry. I can't wait. I hope that he makes it into the studio this evening. And uh, so we can hear what he has on his plate for this afternoon. I tell ya. So, Eric Hill, how has your day been today? Busy as usual. I had a great day. Can't complain about it. As you know, uh, I would like to welcome all our listeners back to this evening's show, this edition of the Conversation Cafe. I hope you all are having a wonderful week thus far. And as Mahogany Dona stated, we're going to talk about the state of the police in America and, and America. All right. So, you know, other than that, um, downtown doing some business today is none other than 
President Barack Obama was in town the other day in Georgia Tech, and um, he's having, presently as we speak, he's having a dinner, a Democratic dinner uh, fundraiser at the Hyatt Place Hotel. So nonetheless, there were state troopers, police, uh, security. In other words, downtown Atlanta is shut down. It was shut down. So if you didn't get in early this morning, or you didn't um, get out earlier this afternoon, you, you may stuck. you may be locked down until after the president gets on his plane and right. goes back to DC. Um, but the I think the basketball arena at Georgia Tech was uh, packed, and it just showed uh, evidence of that. I know they started um, cruising the area on last Friday. Evening at Georgia Tech in preparation for today, um, you know, helicopters flying around getting their designated routes, and um, camp security and facility managers were out and about marking the route that the president would, um, his motorcade would take, utilize. Yes. yes, and so everything pretty much was kind of easy today. So I can imagine the campus, pretty much the main thoroughfares of the campus was shut down. So if you were anywhere in the vicinity and parked on the, road, on the side of the road, your cars were. Mark to be told immediately. So, uh, but of course, but of course, you know what? I, I, President Obama. Right, welcome, welcome as always. You know what? Something that always amazes me about uh, President Obama and his motorcade. It always amazes me how, of course, we know he comes on Air Force One, he comes on the plane. But I think the thing that really amazes me is how they bring his his limo. And uh, it's usually two, maybe three of them, and the other cars as well. And that just always amazes me. I know how they do it because that's a huge plane. And if you ever had get the opportunity to be out at the airport when Air Force One is sitting on the, um, I was going to say the tarmac. Yeah. yeah. That is a huge plan. I did get an opportunity to see it. You know, of course, you know, when the president is not on it, it's not called Air Force One. It's just a plane. Correct. A regular commercial airline. <laughs> Look, it's just a plane. Right. But I, I have had the opportunity to see that thing, and it is humongous. And so it just, it always, it just tickles me, I think, to see his limos and the trucks and all of those things that have the um, president's seal on them, you know. Um, and so it, that, that's just, that's something for me, I tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, and, you know, like you said, without the president, it is not Air Force One, so any, you know, commercial carrier or any carrier could be actually Air Force One, uh, designated as Air Force One when the president is aboard. So, um, again, welcome to the show, and I, I'm sure you would thoroughly enjoy the topic of the uh, conversation this evening. Of course, and of course. We've been discussing this quite a bit lately, and... You know, unfortunately, as um, Harvey McDonald stated, that there was a young man that was uh, killed here by police officers. So the GBI here in Atlanta has moved in to investigate the situation. situation. And it was shown on television, and he really he was in his breakfast. Right, we're just going to give you a little lead in before ARK will tell you all the whole story. And then we'll be forced to discuss it at the top of the hour, and then ARK will be looking at me on the back end of the hour, like, what are we talking about now? Hey, we talk about this all day. I mean, ah, yeah. well, you're absolutely correct because I think how I how we actually came up came to this topic for tonight was that now at around midnight I'm having a discussion with a, a dear friend of mine, 
about this very topic. And the thing is, is great guy, great guy, love him dearly, my brother, my friend, my mentor. I mean, you know, great man, uh, great family man, great dad, great husband, brother, uncle, granddaddy, you know, all of the above. However, you know, he, he's also a part of law enforcement. Sure. And so we were having this conversation at about almost, it was nearly, it was rounding 1 a.m. in the morning, and um, and his sister, my, my uh, his wife, my sister, um, had to pretty much like almost hang the phone up on us because we were going back and forth about this very topic. And, and it was interesting conversation to hear it from the other side and how they see it and perceive it. And then what I turned my television on to hear about the other story here in the metro area. And it was like, see, and I sure wanted to call him back. I almost picked up the phone and called him back like at 1 a.m. Like, see, that's what I'm talking about, right there. Turn the television and look what I'm talking about right there. But um, I refrained from that, and I um, got with the producers and decided that we would discuss this this evening in Raquel. Well, you know, we don't want to discuss this topic by ourselves. So, of course, if you are listening online or through your smartphones, iPads, tablets, or whatever you may have, or you know, you might be even listening on your landline phone. If you would like to talk to us and you're already online, just press one, and we'll make sure that we get your your call pulled up in the queue. If you are listening online via your computers or iPads, and you would like to talk to us live, the number to call in to talk to us is seven seven three. Eight nine seven three nine eight six, and of course you too need to press one, and that lets our switchboard know that you have a question and you would like to talk to us, myself, Mahogany Dawn, or A. Raquel, or any of our other guests that may come on this evening and chime in the conversation. If not, you can Facebook us, you can tweet us at the Convo Cafe, and we will happily, happily entertain your comments, your questions, and your opinions there. So this is the Conversation Cafe. It is 10 after the hour. We are going to take a very, very, very quick break. And when we come back, he's here in the studio. I'm excited. Yep, I'm excited. Yep, yep. Ray Cornelius of RayCornelius.com will be right back in a moment.
Welcome back to the Conversation Cafe. We are your hosts, A. Raquel and Mahogany Dawn, and we're coming to you live from Studio 3408 here in Atlanta, GA. We are excited. It's about 12 after the hour, but we are so excited. We're going to bring him on just a little bit early. I can't wait to hear what hot topics he has for us on tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome back for another week to the Conversation Cafe, none other than Ray Cornelius of RayCornelius.com. What is going on, Ray Cornelius? <laughs> Happy Tuesday, ladies. What's going on with you? Happy Tuesday to you as well. What's going on? Not much, not much. You know, some interesting stories that we see here on the news. I'm sure you have some great information for us this evening as well. Oh, man. You know, it was um, – I know you, you had mentioned earlier about the shooting situation that took place uh, last night here in the Atlanta area with the uh, with the young man, the unarmed, uh, naked young man who was shot by the officer. That is really a strange story. I haven't – outside of, of watching the news last night, I haven't been able to dig a little deeper. I know that they – I think they have a little bit more information about him, and, and one of the headlines that I read was that he was possibly bipolar or allegedly – Bipolar, but just a really sad uh, situation. It, it sort of took me back to the um, incident that I, I think took place was that maybe two years ago now of the young man that attacked uh, the gentleman, and um, they were calling it the zombie drug or the zombie incident. What was that like two years ago in, in the Miami area? Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. It kind of reminded mm-hmm. me of, of that situation. Yeah. Really strange. It is, it is, you know, yeah. and uh, and I think that the thing about that one too is that the man was naked, so nothing, you know, nothing warranted them shooting him. <laughs> right. You, you know, it would be one thing if he had on some clothing and he began to charge them and they didn't know if he had a, a weapon, you know, but, I mean, he's completely butt naked. But I also heard uh, reports that apparently came, uh, that allegedly came from family members that he was living with in the complex that he was suffering from mental illness. Okay. But, I mean, not, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I know that we're kind of deviating from the entertainment news, but is it is it is it not possible to, in a situation like this, where, like you said, this person is without clothes, there is, you know, no belt to hold a gun, or, you know, he didn't have anything in his hands, if someone lunges at you, can you not tase them? Can you not um, hit them with with the billy club? I mean, I just I just think, you know, shooting someone is like your absolute last resort, especially if they don't have a gun. Absolutely, I agree, and I and I believe that's why the GBI has stepped in on the situation, simply because of the fact that um, the guy was completely in his birthday suit, 100% butt naked, and um, there was no weapon, and the officer also had a taser. So he could have chosen to tase him as opposed to shoot him. So, um, of course, that officer is on leave without pay. And then, you know, of course, the, 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 the icing on the cake is that the officer is of Caucasian persuasion, and the young man, of course, was an African American. 
So here, right. so here we go with that same scenario situation where you have, you know, the white officer and the and the black male. So you know, and and quite frankly, for me, you know, I'm I'm like over it. You know, I'm so over right. this, this same situation because it's like, where does this end, or when is it going to end? And and if it has an ending, how do we end it? Because I'm like over this. You know, um, every black male that you encounter is not, um, he's not a criminal. He's not aggressive. He's not on drugs. You know, yes, we do have some of those, but every, every, uh, every um, race community have have those people. You know what I'm saying? And And right. so what, what, is, what is it about the black male face that puts you on, Nine and a half when you encounter them, you know what I'm saying, whereas when you encounter some other people you aren't you aren't already in a fierce state you know i i i'm a, i'm a, I'm gonna let you do the do the news Go ahead, <laughs> well you know uh, a lot is a lot is going on as usual uh definitely have to give a shout out to the Black Women Film Network, who presented an awesome uh, summit there, actually their first summit uh, this past weekend here in the uh, beautiful city of Atlanta, and I uh, had a great time with them. You know, they had a, a numerous events that took place last week. Uh, the There was a screening of Single Ladies, which is now um, airing on a Centric Network, and then they also had a beautiful luncheon honoring just uh, fabulous uh, African-American women in film and television um, last Friday, it was their Untold Stories luncheon honoring uh, such greats as Robbie Reed. Uh, Will Packer was also honored. Uh, Shante Bacon of 135th Street Agency, who works with a lot of the um, movies that come out, a lot of the television shows. They have a great partnership with the Oprah Winfrey Network. And so she was there uh, being honored for her work as an agency that is that is pretty much worked with everyone in the entertainment industry. It was hosted by Jonathan Slocum, and, you know, he always keeps us, keeps us in stitches. We had a really good time and um, great uh, great luncheon. A lot of luminaries were there. Andrea Kelly from uh, formerly of Hollywood Exes. Uh, Roshana Ali was also in the house. Candy and Todd Burris were there. Um, you also um, had, like I said, Will Packer was there in the house. So it was a really, really nice luncheon, again, sponsored by the Black Women Film Network. They also had a uh, fabulous closing night uh, ceremony where they honored some of the filmmakers who had uh, won awards uh, uh, for some of the films that were submitted. And they also uh, gave a, a, a nod to the 40th anniversary of Mahogany. Can you believe that Mahogany is 40 years old? I know. Wow. Yeah. 40? <laughs> it's been a, wow. Yeah, 40 years old. It doesn't seem like it, it's been that long, but 40 years old. Also, I know, I'm not, I'm not really quite special. that old. I just turned 30. I'm not quite that old. I just turned 30. Something else special happened uh, during the luncheon, and that was somewhat of a a small reunion between the Destiny's Child members, Latavia Robertson and – Roberson, I'm sorry, and Farrah Franklin. It kind of sort of kind of happened just um, by surprise. The two ladies were uh, at the luncheon. I don't think they knew that that each other was going to be there. And Farah saw uh, Latavia, and it was just a moment. I mean, they were in tears and a lot of hugs and kisses. And so it was a really a special moment. And uh, like I said, all of those pictures are on the website. 
and as well as photos from Saturday night closing uh, with Mahogany. Um, in other news, yesterday, Empire actor uh, Jesse Smollett uh, came out. Uh, it was a, I'm not sure. This is where I'm a little cloudy. I don't know if the episode aired yesterday or if this is an up, upcoming episode. But anyway, he had an opportunity to talk with Ellen, uh, talk show host Ellen DeGeneres, about uh, his journey and, and wanted to set, quote unquote, set the record straight about his sexuality um, ever since uh, his co star, uh, his Empire co star, Malik Yoba, sort of hinted that he was gay. And so this was an opportunity for him to, you know, set the record straight, come clean about his sexuality. And he wanted to do that on the um, with Ellen uh, because of her contributions to the LGBT community. One of the things that he says, uh, during this interview, which actually does not take place on the show, but it took place after his uh, his his segment with her, and basically he said that he was that there was never uh, a closet. Uh, he doesn't own a closet; he owns a dresser, but not a closet. But that his sexuality was kind of never really. Um, how can I say this? It, it, it was it was his responsibility to protect his home, and that's basically what he wanted to do. But he wanted to be honest and open about the situation. So. You can definitely see that as well as a first look at this week's episode of Empire. Ladies, what did you think about that? Because for me, I kind of already knew that, but I think for uh, for those that, that have not sort of followed his career or kind of followed him as an actor, kind of did not know that about him. Well, I, I mean, I never, I never really thought about it, actually. I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of people play uh, gay parts, and they are heterosexual right. people, so that's not the first right. thing that comes to my mind. My thing is the quality of the acting, uh, the quality of the person, actually. And so, right. I mean, does it surprise me? No, um, that wasn't the first thing I was, you know, that I looked for. Um, the segment that you're speaking of, I think, showed two weeks ago. I think two weeks ago, okay. as of this this. Week, I think it's been two weeks. Okay. When he did okay. the segment on the show, um, he changed the lyrics to the song, one of the songs in the show, uh, which was actually a great song. Um, yeah, beautiful. So you know, I don't know if they utilized that moment to pretty much uh, put that out there, and then with, you know, of course, with the pressure of people wanting to know, wanting to know, and some people just you know, um, I understand the statement by saying he wants to protect his home, but you know, some people just never answer you. So it could be either perceived, right. and sometimes our perceptions are, are wrong. And so, you know, I, I guess he just thought it was his responsibility to make it clear for everyone that's involved. Um, there are several people that's in the industry that, to this day, they won't tell you yay or nay. So, right. you know, at the end of the day, you know, when people come forth in that manner, I mean, I mean, what is it going to do to people that listen? And what I mean by that is, I mean, are you going to look at them? Some people are going to look at them differently, but at the end of the day, you don't have a one-on-one or person-to-person personal relationship with that person. So you either like what they do and are objective about their professional work or because you're not going to know them personally. That's the way I would think. So, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, And they're the ones that have to live their life. They have to feel the life to the best of their ability. And, you know, my opinion in that in that, in that very moment does not matter. And it doesn't take away from his hotness. He's still hot. He's right. still a hottie. 
let me just say this. I'll be very transparent. I am still uploading more stories, so that will definitely be a story to come. I don't know all the full details about that, but I did see the headline. I saw the mugshot, and I was just I I, I was shaking my head because I'm like, oh wait a minute, Angie, what's going on? Like, are you serious? So I definitely will have that okay. posted before the night is through. <laughs> Uh, it, it 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 pretty much takes you back. It, it lets you know that Angie is from the old school, baby. You ain't gonna run your mouth while I knock your teeth out. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's that's the headline that I saw was that she, you know, basically uh, her and her her daughter got into a dispute and she she hit her and 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 like you said, knocked her teeth out. So I, I gotta get some more details, but yeah, that's definitely old school way of thinking. But you know what though. We saw a little bit mm. of that on the last season of R&B Divas, where her and the daughter, you know, kind of were, you know, getting into not to the point of, of a physical altercation, but there were a few words that were exchanged. And so if, if that was an indication of where their relationship was at that time, I can only imagine that there have been some other things that probably have taken place between now and then to cause her to want to physically put her hands on her daughter. So. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I bet you <laughs> Okay. Oh my! I tell That's you, nice, you say you were like, okay, wait, 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 one more story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to get it yeah, in. I, will, I had to I get it in. Yeah. I will definitely have that posted a little later on uh, on the website tonight. So yeah, you can definitely check it out. All right, thanks, Ray, so much for dropping by the cafe. We always love it when you come by. We look forward to you coming by the cafe. And and when you're not able to do it, I tell you what, man, we surely miss you here in the cafe. That is correct. <laughs> so we thank, you. we thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy, busy schedule because we know you are a very busy man. And oh, um, anybody God. who has the opportunity to, to um, peruse your your website, com would see that you are a man on the go. You know, I see you. I see you, right? You know, you know, I see you. I see you, right? Snapping yourself. I see you. Okay? (laughs) Right. As always, have a good one and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. you. Good night. That was none other than RayPanese of com. Updating us and letting us know what's been going on around the ATL as well as the Hollywood, LA, you name it. He always lets us know what's been going on in our celebrity entertainment news, and we thank him for that. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our topic of tonight. We'll be right back. This is the Conversation Cafe. I encourage all of you, while we're on the break, go ahead and get on the line. Give us a call, 773-897-3986. The lines are filling up very quickly, so if you want to get in and you want to talk to us or you want to get your question or your comment in, I encourage you to go ahead and get on in while we're on the break. This is Mahogany Dawn and A. Raquel. We'll be right back. Of 
brother, brother There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate War is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love and kiss here today. Pick it black and pick it back. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me. So you can see Disclaimer. I'd also like to let 
all of our listeners know that the views, opinions, and conclusions expressed in the Conversation Cafe are those of the guests and callers and are not necessarily those of the Conversation Cafe, its producers, hosts, or any of its affiliates. These shows are for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Please consult with the appropriate licensed professional before acting upon any information obtained during the Conversation Cafe broadcast. If you have comments or suggestions about this program and or guests, contact us at theconvocafe at gmail.com or you can call 404-997-8261. Well, I think that the song Marvin Gaye was singing was so appropriate for our topic of tonight. Like, what's going on? What's really going on? You know, um, as I said earlier in the show, I was having a conversation with with a brother friend of mine just last night about um, the very topic of police and our community and about the things that have transpired out and now. We're coming up roughly on um, a year since Michael Brown, maybe it's been about roughly about a year since Michael Brown. And, of course, it, it rolled on down with Eric Garner and um, – the led young man at 12 years old. His name Cleveland. Yeah, in Cleveland. And then we had the other young man that was in the Walmart. And, I mean, it, it just seemed like when it started to rain, it started to pour. Right, but it's been pouring for years. It has been pouring for years. But I guess the, the thing that, um, as I was having that discussion with my brother last or early this morning, it turned into early this morning, it started off last night, and rode into early this morning. You know, I guess the thing that I that I have about this whole thing between the police and our community and the killing of the people of our community is that, you know, when are we going to, I guess, I know we're traveling down a road to try to come to some common ground, but I really pray that we get to this crossroad very soon. You know, um, I guess the challenge that we have it, I guess it falls back on on poor relationships between community members and and the police, you know. Right, and you know a lot of those individuals um, that you know police our community sometimes don't live in those communities that they police. Um, we found that to be very true. Uh, as a matter of fact, John Ryan's hit the ball out of the park on last week with scandals. Um, pretty much doing, I guess you say, uh, in an eclectic way kind of bring together all those cases with Trayvon, uh, Michael Brown, you know, uh, African-American men around the nation and other, you know, brown men in the nation, you know, kind of putting it on front street with a scandal episode, which I think was very tastefully done. Mm-hmm. And the uh, content of the show last week was very good. It, it kind of brought some things to light, um, especially, you know, what takes place in our neighborhood. Um, and I know the conversation, we all have these conversations. What should you do, uh, especially with um, our kids or young adults, especially our uh, males, what should they do if they ever encounter a uh, officer, police officer? Um, and, you know, it's, it's, that's not a conversation that's uh, new for us in the African-American community. That conversation has been had throughout my years of, of growing and developing as a uh, uh, person, a black woman in the, in the 
in the community. Um, some of the things that we was like, well, whatever. Uh, I'm not a free chicken, but um, as they say. But you know, there's some things that my my parents taught us, especially my brother. You know, all of us eating. And I come from a very small town, which I find sometimes can and, be very and very can be very detrimental sometimes. Um, as I've as I've stated before on the show, my grandfather was one of the first African American police officers. It was two started out. And they lived with all of us lived in the same neighborhood, but they were the first two African American police officers. That was in the sixties, uh, early sixties. And so we're not that far removed from the sixties nor seventies and the, the the early periods of the eighties where there were certain things that go on. Um I know that, you know, as a result of what happened in Ferguson, um, not being able to indict the police officer and thing that measure, there's some very key um, statistical information that came out in terms of the report that the Justice Department released in, um, relating to Ferguson and the fact that, you know, the mayor is saying that he didn't realize that $2 million in a year's time was um, collected from African American, the African American community in terms of being ticketed. So they were being over ticketed in their in their communities, and um, the communication was brought to light by emails that they were able to retrieve. And um, taking a look at those and saying, you know, the city manager telling the police uh, chief great work in terms of you know getting that amount of money out of the community. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, the mayor went on to say, stating that he did not know that that was taking place in the community. I don't know how because um, when they have um, commissioner meetings and when they do budgets for the county, you have to know where this money is coming from. So saying that you are not aware of where that they have collected $2 million that is flowing into your the city's uh, funds and you are – um, the, the, the the budget for the police department is, you know, constructed utilizing that money. You can't tell me you don't know where the money comes from. If you don't know, then you need to resign. Um, and things of that nature, just the relationships that they have. A lot of the um, saying that they are part-time officials, officials in the that particular community, and yet they earn an exuberant amount of money for them being part-time people. I know here in the Cap County in Atlanta, we have commissioners that work part-time. And, you know, we know some of their salaries are. But the perks of being a commissioner far outweigh sometimes the amount of money that you collect on an annual basis. Okay. It opens doors for you that uh, an ordinary citizen may not have access to for right. um, the fact that you are a part of county government. So when we look at things in that term, um, you know, it's just a lot that goes on in our communities when it comes to the police and um, through our history, not only here in the 21st century, but through our history, African-American community has not benefited well from that relationship. You're absolutely correct. And I, and I guess I, I run into a challenge, though, and this is where I run into a challenge, Eric Hill. It's, it's when the police encounter our young men um, our African American males in our communities, and they are unarmed, and they feel the need to be aggressive out mm-hmm. the gate with them, mm-hmm. 
and it's like they don't have a fighting chance. And so, and and so, I guess the thing that concerns me at the end of the day is that what is this going to? Where are we going with this? And what is this ultimately going to lead to? Because your human, your natural instincts kick in after a while. That said, well, if my community, or better yet, if my home is being invaded or infiltrated, it, my natural human survival instincts kick in to say what? Fight back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, is it going to put, you know, of course, is it eventually going to put them in greater harm's way as well as police officers in harm's way because everybody's going to be on the defense? Well, yes. I mean, I think, but but the 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 amazement to the amazement of other communities around, not only in this country but around the world, is that we live with that type of um, being under surveillance at all times, at some point in time in your life. If you have brown skin, if you have black skin, um, you you live with that on a daily basis. So for us, it's not out. It's not um, out of the ordinary. Uh, for us to be mindful of our surroundings, what we do, how we do it, what we say, uh, who we say it to, you know, how we conduct ourselves in the community, that's, that's, that's not up, out of the norm for us. Um, however, I think and some people say that, you know, people or, or youth today or young adults today don't have respect that they had, but we have to look back and remind ourselves that uh, our parents or um, forefathers will say the same thing about us. They are disrespectful. They don't respect this. They don't do this. They don't do that. Um, I think especially, every especially that Black Power movement right. era. Yeah, with the yeah, Black Panthers, Black Panthers with, yeah. the, um, with the Conscious Movement, right. I mean, with the Gariites. I mean, they said it was all of our, um, you know, generation. Mm-hmm. And so that that's not, you know, nothing new. We've heard that before. But I think what, what young adults and some of our youth today are – they don't fear anything. They don't fear. They don't think about it. Um, they just do what they do. And so for us, not saying we were fearful, but we were mindful of our families um, because we had a, had a certain regard, not necessarily um, not just in a disrespectful manner, but we had a different regard for our loved ones. Want to make it? Want to make it home? Or we want to? Well, we want them. We want them to make it home they, now. We do, but what I don't think they fear. They don't fear the police like uh, somebody, some parents may have put the fear in God in terms of the police back in the day. They don't, I don't think they fear them that way. They just look at them like I don't think they fear anybody in yeah. the, in that way. Right. And well, it's, it's, it's a different mentality. It's almost like they desensitized to what really is. What's that. really going on? Right. Where your parents and my grandparents were fully aware of what could happen, and they were determined to maintain their safety so that they can maintain your safety. Um, and today, they're like you said, they're 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 just they're san- it's been sanitized to the point that hey, you know, they don't that don't happen to me. They happen to other people on TV. But I guess the challenge, the challenge that I have is that either we're going to have to do some very rapid conversation, I don't know if it's conversation or training with the communities, with the police, to bring everyone up to speed or to at least get people talking 
to one another about when you come into our community. You know, it, it, it's kind of like, and, and I know we've joked about um, these, you know, at various times and moments. It's about, it's, it's kind of like how we talk about in, in the African-American community, we have our certain code of the way we talk, the, the the way in which we go about doing certain things that that lets us know if it's a situation where, let, let's just say like when we were talking about how if we went clubbing and you would hear a person talking in a club. Well, based on the path, the cadence, the rhythm, the volume, what they're saying, we knew whether or not, oh, we could still chill and party or you know what? Let's, hey, you need to get that drink down. It's time for us to be. <laughs> let's, let's hit this door because it's going down in here. And but but to me, when other people come in from the outside and you don't understand that that, and I'm just gonna be be transparent here that you know cursing is almost like us talking English to one another, and it means absolutely nothing, but when they hear it and you're not from that community and you don't understand that that style or that way of that community, it may sound harsh. It may sound threatening. It may sound like, I need to, let's hurry up and get out of here because it sounds like they're about to fight, and it's absolutely positively nothing. Well, you know, that has a lot to do with the media propaganda. Um, um, with propaganda uh-huh. and saying that, you know, uh, black people or African Americans are angry, the men are angry, the women are angry. angry. No, we have a certain way of talking to each other. And if we are, we have the right to be angry at some point in time. Some point in time. Keep going. Um, you know, that's you just the way we talk sometimes, not saying it works in our community because I mean, I've been in. Um, I have Caucasian friends, and when they discuss things, they're very passionate about what they say and how they say it. They are very passionate. But, you know, uh, but when they uh, they are debating, we are arguing or we're angry. Um, They're just passionate, you know, like nobody on the other, you know, on the planet is is as passionate as they are. Um, And and like you say, when you come into the community, if you don't really take the time to consciously get to know the people that you're policing, then your perception um, is, like you said, 100% of your perception is your reality, where it's made, it's really not our reality. It's just the way we are. That's the way we function. And your perception is built off of what? It's built off of hearsay as opposed to experience. Right. A, a majority of the time. A majority of the time. And one of the lines that I saw in the, in, in the scene on Scandal last week when the police officer had taken the life of a young man. He was about six, 18 years old, I think. He was preparing to go to school, going to college. Correct. Um, he was coming home, and he said something to him. They didn't get provided any audio tape. But you saw the guy turning around, and he might ask him, why you, you know, why are you coming from? You know, yeah. yeah, whatever. And the guy turned around, and he reached in his pocket. He was reaching in his pocket, and he just shot it. Well, Long story short, the young man was reaching for a receipt from a video uh, from a um, cell phone store that he had been to, and probably the guy probably asked the you know I'm the hypothetical or I am. Uh, well, the whole the the story was was that there had been a ro- uh, a self a robbery at the cell phone store. Right. That some a young man, a black male, had come into the store and stole some cell phones. And, of course, because he was walking and had a cell phone, they just 
out of the guy, I guess, beginning to question or interrogate him about his cell phone and where did he get it from. And then when he reached to get the receipt, of course, the police officer shot him. Now, now there could be a couple things wrong with that because, like you said, they they didn't provide audio. So we don't know if he told the police officer, I'm going to reach in my pocket and show you my receipt or let me show you my receipt. You know, we don't know if that if that was the case. But what we do know, because we've learned it from the other experts who have come on the show, from attorneys to former police officers who always have, who have instructed our listeners, have instructed us as well, that whenever you are in count or you are um, face-to-face with a police officer, you need to ask permission to make any moves that, right, that, are, that may seem to be sudden or a aggressive move or something. So if you're gonna if you're gonna reach in your pocket or you're gonna reach um for something out of a glove compartment or out of a back seat or under a seat, you need to tell them what you're doing and then and then proceed with their permission. And that way they don't become startled or frightened or their fear level heightens and therefore then now you have guns drawn on you that could accidentally go off. Right. I'm doing my ear quotes. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, you know, with that, but, you know, the, the, the end of the story was that this young man, um, a knife from a... Well, the police officer, yeah, he, planted, he, planted, he planted a weapon on him mm-hmm. and in order to validate his story, his story and, his and justify his yeah. shooting that young man. And then when he got down to it, he really was more so angry about the community and the lack of the community he had deserved right. and what he perceived the lack of respect and them from those pain. people in the community. Right. And he was saying that he's putting his life on the line every day for that community and they do not respect him and they do not obey him. I'm using his word, right. obey him and respect him. Right. So, you know, the fact that he lived 40 miles from the community that he served, and things of that nature, you know, um, they say, I think another thing was they have talked to fear of, you know, I don't think uh, we weren't taught to fear the police. We, no. we were taught to respect. So you you, you respect it. them to the, to the point that it doesn't come off that they are endangering your yeah. safety, your right. personal right. safety, right. you know, or it seems as though they are violating your personal rights. Or your civil rights. Or your civil rights. Right. So then, then that's a whole total, complete, different picture. Right. Uh, what I do want to do, I see that we do have um, my brother online. I want to see if he if he wants to chime in this conversation um, I, because he, of course, works with the law enforcement and um, and he has he has um, sons and daughters and um, they are young and he's raising them. Of course, he is a uh, African American male. You got it. Hello. Hey, Grace. How are you? Welcome to the Conversation Cafe. Thank okay. you for having. Me. Glad to be here. Well, we are so excited for you to be here. Of course, you know what our topic is of this evening. We're talking about um, the state of the police and our American communities or our communities here in America. And where we are with this this relationship, or the lack thereof, or the poor relationship that we seem to be having 
in our communities between our communities and our local police departments. And um, and we're just kind of talking talking a little bit about that. Do you have some something that you would like to chime in a little bit and give our listeners some insight about? <laughs> well, um, man, there's, there's definitely a lot that can be said. Um, earlier I was listening, and you guys made this statement, which was very powerful, is um, where is the disconnect between law enforcement and the community? And that is the key, in my opinion. Um, when we were growing up as kids, one of the biggest things that stuck out to us was that the law enforcement was to protect and to serve. They used to have it on the cars. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah, of course. That, that, they've done away with that, though. Yeah, and that was that was big. Uh, I, I remember um, the police officers coming to the schools and talking to us. And I remember them talking about you know what you shouldn't do, what you should what you should do when it comes to drugs, when they're bringing the drug dogs and the different things to enlighten us, to help us be more informed about what's out there, and telling us you know if anything happens. Please, you know, feel free to call the police. It's our job to protect you and to keep you, you know, keep you safe. And I think, um, like everything, uh, no matter what arena, no matter what title someone has, what profession they have, uh, there's good and bad in every profession. Um, there are good teachers, bad teachers. There are good principals, bad principals. There are good um, preachers, there are bad preachers. Um, there are good law enforcement, and then there's bad law enforcement. Um, it, the individuals and what they hold sometimes um, will absorb over the training and um, the professionalism that should be in place. So a lot of times, um, I know in black families, in most black families, they don't teach. We don't teach our kids to hate. We teach our kids to love in spite of. And um, uh, but I do realize that in some families, they do teach people. Uh, people do teach their kids how to to hate and how to do different things, and um, I'm, I'm gonna give an example, and then I'm gonna go back to the police and stuff. But um, I was at my son's school, and you have to put in your volunteer hours, and we were putting in volunteer hours, and um, we lived down in, in Covington, Georgia, and um, um, me and and some other men were on the line, you know, helping the kids get out of the car, and one gentleman, one parent was opening the door of the car, and when he got ready to open the door of the car, he saw a dog inside of the car, so he stopped. And then he asked, was it okay to open the door? And he did open the door. When he opened the door, the girl got out, who was in, like, fourth or fifth grade, and said, I'm glad you didn't open the door when you did because my dog don't like black people. Wow. Wow. This is 2015, people. Uh, no, That's what wow. that young lady said. At four or five years old, she that girl, she was taught that. Uh-huh. That was embedded in her. And so you run into those kind of things where people are teaching bad things, uh, um, hate things of hate and not, instead of love. And so you have those kind of people. And I believe in every race there are some people who have been taught bad things. Um, and... But it's unfair for us as law enforcement to judge everybody based off of that 
and it's unfair for the, the community to judge law, law enforcement based off of one or two incidents. There's a lot that needs to be done. There, does, there needs to be a healing between the law enforcement and the communities, and I think it has to be intentional, and we have to strategize to get it done. I can't speak for all law enforcement because, you know, all law enforcement have, to, they have different trainings, but I can't mm-hmm. say that Gwinnett, we do a lot of training at Gwinnett, and at Gwinnett police officers are, are highly sought after because they are trained superbly. The state requires, I think, 400 and some hours of training. Gwinnett police officers get a 1,000 hours of training. So they almost double, wow. uh, well, they double, they do double in some the hours of training purposely so that we can try to stay away from as many incidents as we are encountering right now and to try to make sure that we give our officers some better um, situational um, um, training as well as sensitivity training. So one of the things that we we are taking the initiative to do um, is call a meeting with the clergy leaders of Gwinnett County. And so we just we were able to just do this on last Saturday, as a matter of fact. And we sent out 200 flyers to the pastors all over the community. And out of the 200 flyers, we got 45 people. That's it. 45 people. So that's not a bad percentage. It's, it's not, I mean, it's, it should, it's be, not, it should be more. But when you when you when you look at you know I mean of course you know I I'm a specialized marketing. marketing I know your marketing it your marketing right. gift, so yeah. when you did two hundred <laughs> I mean that's that's over that's over um that's over twenty percent yeah it's over twenty percent you, you would think yeah but you would think that when the police department is taking the initiative to contact Actually. the quote unquote leaders of the community to say look let's get together and talk about this and you said I two hundred flyers then, yes, that's a great percentage to come out based on percentile. But in terms of being a leader in your community, and the, ball. And the number of yeah. people that you lead on a Sunday morning, whether it be from the 80 people, 2,000, or 26,000. You see what I mean? I understand. So, so me, you know what I mean? You have young young people in your, in your congregation that yes. need to know certain information. So when the police department is willing to partner with you or willing to make themselves available, it's, it's, you know, I agree. It's, it's, you should have gotten at least. Right, you should have gotten at least fifty percent. Right. I mean, but yes. you know. Yes. That's, I mean, I, I'm saying that's an ideal situation. So, so I think the three um, of us are on one accord. We we all three know that we definitely should have had more people there. Oh, for but sure. Yeah. The reality is, we are marketing on the marketing scale. We did supersede right. um, the percentile, um, but yeah, I would have loved to have seen more because. As a chaplain for the police department who is in the community, I have talked to many of these pastors who have had so many complaints about so many different things, had so many questions about so many different things. And so to have those questions and and then we give you the form to to answer those questions and then you not show up, that's where my problem comes in. Well, you must and not be because, sure that it was an opportunity to preach. Or that you was taking up an offer and was gonna split it upon the congregation. <laughs> we, we, unfortunately we still had to come back you know, the 
reminding everybody that it's not a preaching session. It's just a Q and A. But it, it's it's sad though, even to the point that, um, and this this is a whole other topic. So I don't want to get into this. That you know, it's limited to how much the community trusts the preachers anymore. You know, so but sure. I can go someplace. But I'm gonna go back to the police department right now. Um, <laughs> so, I'm gonna stick with the first P. Amen. Amen. That's for another night. I, you know, I would love to see more police departments take that initiative to do what we did in giving the clergy leaders an opportunity because the people are they do hear the voice of their pastors, and I think if that they could do that, it would make a world of a difference. Um, we we had this session, we had a Q and A time, and then we had a um, a um, a tour set up. We had five different stations where we took the, the pastors to to allow them an opportunity to experience some of the things that the, some of the training that officers goes through. And mm-hmm. so as they were able to experience that, it was amazing their thought perception, um, perception before we ever went to the tour to their thought perception when we came back off the tour. And, for example, we did a, um, a simulation of a pullover which is very, very important because we talk about profiling, uh, how does that happen, you know, what happens on the stop, what is supposed to happen, what is not supposed to happen, how is the officer supposed to carry himself. And so it was very good to see um, the approach to understand why does the police police car park, um, like, in the center of the, the car that is stopping um, mm-hmm. and, at an angle, and at an angle. So we talked about that and being able to, um, hopefully, if a car was decided to try to pull off, um, or if it was to try to shoot, um, basically we used our police cars as a shield yeah. to be able to try to protect. Yes, protect yourself from um, the shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, why the bright light um, from the police officer car? Um, because from the rear of the car, you really can't tell who's in it. Um, you can't tell what a person is doing. The bright light does allow you to be able to see in the car um, somewhat better. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the approach of the officer, how the officer approaches the car slowly. The officer could choose to approach the car either on the driver's side or the passenger side. It's, all up, it's up to him and what he feels like is safe. And we even broke down the fact that why the officer stops at the butt of the door, if, there's, if he can see that there's only one person in the car or two people in the car, he stopped at the butt of the door, which is, you know, in between, if it's a four-door car, in between the front door and the back door. But if there's four people in the car, the officer usually um, stops at the back driver's door and looks, checks in the car first, then he changes his position to being in front uh, of the the driver by turning, facing the driver as he's able to look um, at all four people in the car hoping right. that he'd be able to help identify what's going on in the car and making sure their hands are safe. Now, um, so that was really good for a lot of the pastors. They, that helped them a lot, they said. That made a lot of sense to them. They were able to, to see and view it from the back part where the officer viewed it from, where they could get an opportunity to see. The, the gentleman in the car uh, was a white male in the car, but you could not tell really what color he was, of course, from the, from the car when you're coming up from the rear. Uh, so that was a really good uh, opportunity. Then we also went into the shooting range, and we used the flip 
charts from the shooting range, which we use to be able to put officers in practice their shooting, target shooting and stuff. And so, uh, of course, some of the targets have guns, some of them don't have guns. Um, some of them have um, flip phones in their hands, some of them have flashlights. And giving you the uh, appropriate amount of time, which really, according to calculations of, the, of, um, of observation and the study, an uh, officer really only has three seconds to make a decision on whether he should fire or not. Uh, when it when it all comes down to it, within, when he's within 25 feet of um, of the person, and I, and I won't say that the person is a perp because it don't have to be a perp; it just could be a person. Period. And right. when so, they did, so the let me let me ask you let me ask you a question right there, uh-huh. because just recently we just recently we had a case just last night where yeah. the where the individual was butt naked. Hmm. And and yes, they say that he began to charge the officer. And I know you said that the officers have three seconds to make a decision. But when you see, when you're, well, when the officer was standing there and you realized that the man was butt naked, not a stitch of clothing on, and he did not have a weapon in his hand, why would you choose to discharge your, your weapon as opposed to using a taser? That's that's a very good question. Um, And let me say, um, I I know in Gwinnett, and I do know a little bit about the cab because I have worked with the cab county. I know that their first option is not to shoot. That is not supposed to be the first option. At no time is that you know how how officers are trained. Um, Why this officer, particular officer, chose to use his gun instead of his taser? I'm not. I can't answer that question. Um, uh, of course, there are a lot of a lot of questions in the air on this situation. Um, what he was thinking, I can't tell you. I can say right. to you that obviously, you know, if someone's running around naked, either they're uh, uh, absolute pervert or either they're mentally ill. Um, Correct. One of the one of the two of those. And with either one of those, um, you want to take precautions. Um, here's the thing about the taser, and um, we we also did a taser as one of the one of the the spots to stop. Um, the taser really only stops a, a person for maybe uh, five to ten seconds. Uh, you know, they talk a lot about a lot about the taser and about the taser, how many bolts the taser have and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is. You know, a lot of voltages used to push the prongs out, but that voltage doesn't go into the person. The voltage that goes into the person only suspends their muscles for about um, really uh, a few seconds. And once that person comes off, according to what that person has been dealing with, uh, uh, is their physical ability is. Um, like mm-hmm. we did a taser where they, they used the officer who, who took the taser, they shot taser him in the back. And right after they tasered him, I mean, within within that minute of them tasering him, he was able to do push-ups. So the taser is not something that that is necessarily going to be something to save a life, or offer a life. Uh, a taser could really, to be honest with you, piss off a lot of people. <laughs> and that may sound funny, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, according right. to what a person is and what a person is dealing with, you know, it really could piss them off, and they could really go and beat the officer to death. Yes, officers are trained hand-to-hand combat, but 
there's a lot of people who train in hand in hand combat. Um, there are a lot of people who are able, who've been fighting for all their life, who can can out fight a person who's been trained hand in hand combat. You know, so the question is, you know, how much of a chance do you want to take on allowing a person to put their hands on you or get too close to you? And that's the decisions the officer has to make in a tough time. It, it, no matter even if he's been on been on the scene for for thirty minutes, if all of a sudden the, the gentleman decides to charge. Those thirty minutes you've been on the scene are erased because now it's a whole other situation. Mm-hmm. So, how do you make the decision to what you need to do? You know, really goes back to the training. I don't, you know, how much training they got about how to deal with it, what to do. Those things will make a difference. On a situation like that, I know in Gwinnett too, we would not have sent one officer in. We would have sent a a, a few officers in, and we would have strategized on what is going to be the safest way to take this person down. Without having to, um, without having it being paid. Right. So, and I, I, um, I guess the challenge, I guess the challenge that I run into sometimes, oftentimes when I hear these stories, the officers, most of the officers in these stories, aren't rookies. They're veterans. They've been on the force for five or more years, and and a lot of them, you know, when they tell, uh, most of them have been on their double digits. So it would seem like to me that, you know, they would have the the knowledge or the wherewithal to say, to know how to assess the situation a little bit better, even though I know every situation is different and every moment is different. But it seemed like to me was that type of experience that you would come up with a different type of solution other than to pull my weapon first. Well, you, I think uh, your officer does have a lot of year on the job but it doesn't mean necessarily that the officer has a lot of experience in that situation because every night is different. Every situation is different. Uh, our officer could be a part of the police force and never have to pull his weapon. Um, uh, he could have been a part of the force for 20 years and never had to pull his weapon but once. Um, you know, in Gwinnett, one of the things that we started doing in Gwinnett is, um, you know, every year the officer has to qualify. Mm-hmm. Well, the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is police officers were so horrible in their shooting skills that we have we do three qualifications a year instead of doing one because because they wasn't shooting they never had to shoot had to shoot their guns they wasn't good in qualifying right wow so there's a lot that that has to be considered that's that's unknown if I if I can say that um, when it comes to the weapons and 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 the experience yes you might have 15 years of experience on the police force. But you may not, you may not never have encountered someone committing suicide. You may never have um, encountered someone like the, the naked person yesterday. I mean, every time I'm in that squad car, the situation is different. It is just so different, and it's really hard to explain. Uh, I don't, I don't explain it to try to to, um, to get everybody to believe me and understand me. I really wish mm-hmm. everybody had an opportunity to to ride in a patrol car and experience. Uh, what the officer has experienced at least for a week. I, I wish everybody had the opportunity just for a week, and it would really help the perspective in which people would take on when it comes to law enforcement. Well, I, cert- I, I certainly commend Gwinnett County and its attempts to want to bridge that gap between the, the community and its force, um, just because sometimes, I mean, I know you enlighten me, with some information that I was 
I think I was misinformed about in reference to them being able to know if I my ethnicity by running my license plate. And you were like, no, they have no idea until they get to the door of the vehicle. They don't know if you're male or female, if you're black, white, Asian. They don't know that until they get to the door and ask for your driver's license. And so I think it's things or situations like that that's running rampant in our communities that's yeah. causing the uproar or causing the the discord between the police officers and our communities. And I just I really hope that other communities will pick up that same torch or baton at, like Gwinnett has and reach out. You know, if if the community is not reaching back, that at least if you're reaching out, it eventually they won't have a choice but to reach back and grab the baton and say, okay, let's let's learn together about each other and um, and maybe we can change how when we encounter one another how we feel about one another. And, and like you say, yeah. we know there is no perfect situation about any of it um, because each individual um, person, you know, they have their own ideas and understanding of each and other people. But yeah. those that are willing to to reach out and are willing to want to learn about other communities and how we operate and, and function and um, and coming back across the table that the communities want to say, okay, let us see how we can help you understand us better. Um, it, it's going to help. And maybe we can save some, some lives and yes, some, agree. some tears being shed and blood being, you know, spilled in these communities um, because, of course, we know it's not just our community who's being impacted. I mean, they're, all of the communities are being impacted because it happens the other way around, too, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, it's it's retaliation because you took ours, I'm going to take yours. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right. You're right. Um, yeah. You know, and, it, and it's, it's most unfortunate, you know, sometimes that, you know, people would think that and think that's going to solve the problem or confront the issues or the concerns or the challenges that, you, you know, the groups of people are having in the community. Because um, you look around the country, and I think what, you know, most troubling to me is the fact that, you know, you have a, they have a pipeline straight to prison or they have a pipeline straight to county jails or, you know, things of that nature. And so, right. you know, you it's like you catch it from law enforcement, you catch it from the courts, and then, you know, with the privatization of prisons, you know, it makes it worse because, they guarantee a certain percentage of money that will be um, what become profit generated. Yeah, yeah, generated yearly, and the numbers keep going up. So it's like the more money that the prisons or the jails make, the more uh, money is guaranteed to those entities. And at the end of the day, it's you know for our country having the population that it has, I think a lot a lot of the population is in jail. And now it's not only affecting men, it's affecting women. And, you know, when it comes to money, my my thing is I always follow the money. So if the money is greater than the needs of the community, even the police officers, at that point it's out of their hands as well because it's, it's a profit-making system. And, uh, you know, there are still a minority of people, or groups of, a minority group of people that are benefiting from, you know, what's going on in those communities. 
And so at that point, it's out of the police hands, it's out of the people in the community's hands. And so, you know, it's like almost what can you do or what can we, you know, do collectively to safeguard those things from happening. Well, it doesn't like the police officer benefiting from that money because if you look at this salary, you'd be like, why would you even take this job? <laughs> I right. mean, really, it's, it's just that bad, you know. Um, it's just such a tough, tough, you know. Um, I, I, I would say, say a couple of things. Um, a couple of things that have been initiated. Uh, we have a, a black major um, in Gwinnett that um, just got promoted to major, and he's already made a major impact. And he had, he started this initiative of, Get out of the car initiative. Just that simple. Get out of the car and talk to the people. Shake people's hands. Introduce yourself. Give them your card. Tell them that you're here. Let them know who you are and why you're here. That will make a major difference in itself. Get to know your people you're serving. And we, someone, one of y'all said in the beginning of the segment, relationship means a lot. And it does. Being relational will make the world of a difference to how people will accept you or respond to you. Um, uh, there's a couple of things that I would like to suggest, you know, for for the community um, that maybe the community that you realize is out there. Um, one of the things is the Citizens Police Academy. Just about every police department has a Citizens Police Academy. And I would, man, admonish everyone to please, if you got a little bit of time, take, make the sacrifice. I, I, some of the programs are about 10 weeks. Some of the programs might last 11 weeks. Some of them might last eight weeks. But it's one night or either two nights of a week where you get to go through the training that the police officers are going through. You get to see and experience some of the stuff that they're seeing and experience and be able to have a better understanding of the laws that are in place to protect us. Uh, a lot of the things that are happening is, is due to our ignorance. We don't understand the law. We don't know the law. Um, you, you, when we were talking last night, sis, you talked about when you guys got stopped, how um, how um, got took the light on the interior light on in the car. That's one of the things that you should do if you get stopped at night. Turn the interior light on in the car so that that helps the officer be able to see uh, what's going on in the car so they won't be in any assumption. This is for your safety. Put your hands on the steering wheel or put your hands outside of the window. Then the officer mm-hmm. know that, you know, um, you, 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 you don't have any ill intent. But the Citizens Police Department would be one of those things that you could definitely do. And for our youth, which I think is very, very important, that youth be educated on the laws and what police officers expect, what how should they handle if they get pulled over, what should they do, those kind of things. Um, one of the ways they can learn that is that they have a youth program for uh, for young people that want to be a part of the youth um, police um, academy. So there are lots of things that they can do to be able to learn and to grow and understand uh, about the police department. And one other thing that we, we're getting ready to initiate is we're getting ready to initiate some training videos that um, kids, schools will be able to, Show the video. They'll be able, people be able to go online and see the video, study the video, and learn what is the proper way to handle yourself when you're being pulled over or when you're going through um, different types of situations. So with those with those videos, will it be? Um, I know it'll be police oriented. Will you have like um, police teaming up with say attorneys 
so that they can give the exact same information because, you know, I think it would be good to see it from both perspectives, from an attorney's perspective as well as a law enforcement officer's perspective. Yes. Uh, we were talking about making the, the, the video um, very diverse, not only in in um, in ethnicity, but also in um, the ability of, like, the voices that you would hear. You might hear the police officer voice. You might hear um, the voice of the person who's playing the, the role of the perpetrator. Uh, and you hear the voice of a lawyer who who um, tries cases. And then we all okay. working together to talk about talk about it. Okay, that's a wonderful idea. That's a wonderful idea. Well, communication is the key to anything that you do, regardless of what, um, you know, genre of business you're in, you know, whether it be one-on-one communication, whether it be family-oriented, whether it be from the church, you know, communication is the key. And Gwinnett yeah. County certainly has put their best foot forward in making sure that they are policing the, um, the community in a manner that is um, friendly. Um, open and receptive, so we certainly, again, appreciate you dropping by the Conversation Cafe. Um, we have, have enjoyed our time with you, and we'll make sure that we keep posting this interview so that people can get um, diverse um, perspectives, yes, on, you know, the state of the police here, not only in our community, around the Cass County, Gwinnett County, and the surrounding areas, um, but also get a clear view of, um, perspective on individuals that work in those fields and also live within those communities and are really affected by what's going on in those communities. Uh, I really appreciate it, and so does my audience. For sure. Well, thank you. And, uh, if, and if you would, let us know um, when there when there, there's another opportunity to do one of those ride-alongs. Um, okay. I'm sure the, the staff and the crew here the Conversation Cafe would love to be a part of that so that as we are educating our listeners, we can talk about from our firsthand experience of what we we what we experience right. as well. So um, definitely let us know because that's something um, when all of the other things began to transpire last year um, towards the end of the year with the verdicts and things of that nature, we talked about um, doing some things in 2015 to try to help bridge the gap. And since we do have this um, radio outlet that we feel like we, you know, we have a, a large voice or a huge voice that can help or aid in the bridging and the bringing together of those two communities. And we are planning some things um, to happen in the near future here. So we would like to do that as well, and that would be a wonderful thing for our, our staff and our crew here. So so keep us posted on when the next one is available for us to be a part of. I, I will keep you guys posted, and please know that uh, I'm a resource for you, and I do have some other uh, law enforcement uh, people that I could um, to help that also be willing to get involved, and as well as um, esquires who would be glad to be involved, you know, to be able to tell it from both perspectives. Absolutely, and we certainly thank you for that, sir. We thank you 
so much for your time and your input on tonight's show. It has indeed been a, a wonderful show, and we hope that our listeners have gained some some very valuable information and insight about this this topic that that um, a lot of us can identify and relate to, you know, not necessarily that it, it may have happened in our immediate home, but we may know, well, I'm sure most of us know somebody um, who has experienced an encounter with police that didn't quite turn out in the best of either party's interest. Um, and so we hope that uh, we have uh, been a light to, unto their past in the direction of coming together and communicating with one another. So we say thank you again from the Conversation Cafe. And, of course, we are well over our time, but it was well worth our time. So, you know, anytime we, we you know, we want to educate our listeners, we're willing to put in the time and invest the time to make sure that the listeners of the Conversation Cafe get what they need. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you so very much. Right, well, love you, ladies. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> Tonight. All right, thank you too. Well, as we said, this has been our time. We have spent um, a, a good quality of time here with you in the cafe this evening, talking about the state of the police and where our communities are as far as bridging that gap in the communication lines. And we hope that you take something of value away from the show this evening and you share it with your loved ones, you share it with your coworkers and other people in your community. If you can't quite um, verbatim say what we said or related information in the manner that which in which we said, we have our podcast available on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the conversation cafe and you can play that back so that they can hear it. If you are on if you have an iPad, iPod um, iPhone, you can also go over to iTunes under the Conversation Cafe podcast, and our shows are uploaded there as well. And let them take, sit down with a group of people, sit down with a group of young people uh, mixed in with, with some, um, uh, some younger people and sprinkle it with some, some wisdom of, of the older people. And you all begin to dialogue and have some conversation about this topic and then bring in some other people of your community, and that's where we start. Because, of course, as always here in the Conversation Cafe, we say, what? Hey, Raquel, if there is no dialogue, there is no conversation. There is no conversation. It's fun having the conversations in your community. We love you as always, and we hope that you've enjoyed our show for this evening. If you have any further questions or comments, we are available online uh, via our social media sites. Hit us up at Twitter, Facebook, at the Convo Cafe, and we will be more than happy to entertain your comments and your questions and keep the dialogue and the conversations going throughout the remainder of this evening and the rest of this week. We hope that you have a great week in your community. Get out and do something for yourself, do something for your community, and do, and do something for somebody else. Love on one another. We love you. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Conversation Cafe with A. Raquel at Mahogany Dawn. If you like what you just heard, you can continue to follow The Conversation on Twitter and Facebook at The Convo Cafe. You can tell your friends 
family, and colleagues that they can listen to previous shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Conversation Cafe. This has been a Studio 3408 production. Join us next week for another edition of The Conversation Cafe. And remember, where there's no dialogue, a story's no conversation. You're my weakness You change my world Share my life